Hello, and welcome to Media Mavens. This is episode 38. I'm Pam, and with me, as always, is Riley. Hello. Hi, Riley. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm tired, even though I slept for like 10 hours last night. (laughs) I'm also tired. (laughs) Yeah. And it feels like it's just in the course of two days turned into fall so it's cold mm-hmm. now <laughs> already had my first pumpkin spice latte oh nice i haven't had one of those yet but i have switched to hot lattes instead of iced so mm. <laughs> so today we are joined by our good friend and returning guest sarah hello hello welcome back thanks thank you for having me no problem uh do you want to talk about yourself a little in case people haven't heard you on the show before sure um hello i am sarah and i have known pam and riley for like five or six years now um we met playing video games and i I love that about us for some reason (laughs) um uh what i need to know about what what do you need to know about me what do i need to know about me um i am a librarian i can officially say that now since i got a job so uh, i'm a i'm an academic librarian um who happens to play a lot of video games. So that's me. Awesome. And you're going to be leaving us for Calgary Oh, yes, that's right. Soon. Yes, I'm, I'm moving away from Toronto to Calgary, um, which is, like, really sad because I'm going to miss you guys so much. Like, even just being tired and sitting around and watching a movie last night, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to oh, go. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, this is going to require a plane ride on someone's part now. That's right. It is. It is. Although I have to say, now that I'm, like, Feel, I feel like this is a fancy job, so now I'm like balling and shot calling. I can fly wherever <laughs> I want all the time. <laughs> so we'll see. Awesome. So uh, we are going to be talking about Blade Runner this episode. Uh, we all got together last night and we watched it. So that's going to be our main topic of discussion. But first, we'll start out with what we've been up to in the last little while. So, Sarah, do you want to kick it off? Sure. So, um, of course, uh, as if you've heard me on the show before, you know I basically only play Blizzard games. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the two newest things I've been playing are the new um, Diablo 3 Necromancer pack, Rides of the Necromancer. It's like a DLC or whatever. Um, and the new Hearthstone expansion. Um, I don't... Uh, I wasn't super thrilled with the Necromancer pack, unfortunately. Um, I don't think the Necro plays as well as it could. Um, So I kind of played for a couple weeks and then I just stopped. Um, So I'm really, I don't know. I wish it was better and I think they're going to make it better. I know they're pretty rigorous uh, with feedback on that game. Mm -hmm. Um, Have either of you guys tried it? No. No. I know. yeah. Is Necro the one with all the like the skeleton summons? Yeah. yeah, so there's there's sort of three main types. One is like a skeleton, one is a, a different kind of pet class, and the other one's like a blood barfing. <laughs> how, do, how, do, how do I put it? You basically look like a giant bloody ball running around. Uh it's it's uh, it's gross. Well so that's they did hit the aesthetics pretty well. Like it is pretty disgusting and scary and death like. Um but the gameplay is really bad, so I kind of gave that up um and then the new Hearthstone expansion is fun it's uh they that game like every other game has a power creep problem um where now the cheap cards are like five times as powerful as the original classic cards Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of not that fun anymore because 
things can just be really OP and out of control. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. I love Hearthstone, but it's, it's, right now it's the game is in a very strange place, at least to me. Just things feel way too powerful and it's scary and I don't like it. Have either of you played the Knights of the Frozen Throne or whatever? No. No, I haven't I played Hearthstone. Uh, I'm not good at Hearthstone. Okay, well, it's, and I would say that this is actually a super unfriendly for um, newer or less experienced players. Like, it's... Cool, so yeah. I'm not playing. So it's not, it's, <laughs> But I will say this, the art for the new cards is absolutely incredible, uh, oh. and I highly recommend checking out, especially they made a, a Death Knight, a Lich Jaina, um, which is amazing. She looks really... I know, I know, we're, we're not into... Um, corrupting Jaina, but she looks she looks pretty cool. the The theme of the expansion is um, they made a Death Knight version of each uh, hero. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh. So there's like undead Malfurion or undead Rexar or whatever. So huh. it's not like she's singled out. To be fair, hmm. has Hearthstone not introduced like uh, I mean I think something they do with like magic and things where the cards just keep expanding and they like make it so that like there's a current set of cards you use and the rest are kind of like deprecated yeah so so they've they split it up into wild which is you can use all the cards and then standard which is the original classic set plus the current expansion Um, and that did help I mean it does help for sure uh, it's just the current expansion is so crazy that it's like, oh, so everything's still OP. If no. I can't even imagine how I don't play wild, I can't even imagine how nuts it is to like play wild with all the other cards. Like it must be even worse. So yeah, but that's yes. my problem with any any expanding game. Like even that or Heroes of the Storm. I'll you know sign on and then there's five new heroes and I have no idea how to play with them or against them and I just get overwhelmed and quit. You don't have the, you don't get the same feeling with Overwatch. They they don't release champions or heroes quickly yeah, enough. Yeah, it, it's no. infrequent enough. It's only like what maybe two a year in terms of characters. So so far anyway. Yeah. yeah. What is the next Overwatch hero? Does we, anyone know? No, we don't know. No, no, but hopefully, okay. hopefully, it's a healer. Yeah, exactly. I, I, so, because I only pay attention to like the cutesy shorts and stuff, I'm hoping it's the Queen of Junkertown, obviously. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be cool, too. Be super cool. <laughs> oh, do you want a new healer because they gutted Mercy? Is that... No, Mercy yeah. looks sweet. Oh, okay. No, Mercy I looks good. It's just that there's, I mean, there's technically five supports, although Symmetra is really a defense character. She doesn't do any healing. So there's mm-hmm. four healers that you can choose from. And in any given game, you generally will have two healers. So oh, that's like, not very there's helpful. not a whole lot of options. Okay. Yeah. What would be, okay, here's my listener question for Media Mavens. What would be your, <laughs> what would be your ideal like healer type in Overwatch? See, that's hard. I don't even know what what kind of character it would be because we've got like shoot people to heal them. We've got straight healers. We've got area of effect healers. Um, hmm. What about something like a disc priest? Dam- damage to heal. Oh, that would be cool. Or like even like more bubbles and things like Azaria, except more heal but healing. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you could put a bubble on somebody, and what? However, damage, however much damage they do while the bubbles on them, it would heal them or something. Ah, but yeah, that'd be something cool. wild. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Although you might, you idea. might run into the same 
problem. I should be a game developer. <laughs> um, no. You're being a librarian. <laughs> um, you might run into the same problems that Dispruce run into, which is shields are very, very strong. <laughs> yeah. Well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't last very long. So, like, like even Zarya's only last like what? Oh yeah, that's true. Three two seconds, seconds maybe. Yeah. yeah, it's really short. So you'd have to time them really well, which is why I like Zarya so much. Is you have to be really good with your shields. So if they had a healer like that, that might not be too bad. Um. So those are the things I've been playing. If I can, I, mean, I have a long list here of things I've been watching because I have been out of school and unemployed <laughs> <laughs> so, aka looking for work so i've been watching a lot of stuff um i think the best thing i watched recently was is a very old film uh, a jean-luc godard film called bond um mm-hmm. which i'm i didn't know this like i consider myself a tarantino fangirl and this is a movie that like so influenced every movie he's ever made especially pulp fiction um so I went with my partner to see it a few weeks ago, and it was so. It, I I really hate old movies, so I was super jazzed to see something old that I actually liked. Oh, nice! Um, highly recommend it if anybody wants. If you're a Tarantino fan, his production company is called Band Apart, so it's like super, mm. super influenced by that movie. Um, it was really good, and it was I I was so happy to go to the Toronto the Tiff Bell Lightbox Theater because um, I never get to go there. Oh, I rarely go there, and it's such a nice theater. Um, then I rewatched Riverdale, which I know we've talked about on the show. Um, it was funny to watch it like the second time because it's actually terrible. <laughs> like in retrospect, that show's really <laughs> bad, even though I love it. But whew, it's a it's a stinker. <laughs> I mean, I love it to death. Um, yeah, it's fun to watch, but it's like the characterization is so all over the place. Like, yeah, <laughs> and it's funny. Um, so I, I rewatched it with my partner, who's a. Uh, film director and producer and he um he mentioned and pointed out every time they made a reference to like a some really obscure movie and i was like oh. i had no idea he's like who are they making this show for like each title <laughs> of every episode is like a movie no one's ever heard of and he's like no teen watching this would ever understand that like what is the point <laughs> so it's very it's funny to watch it with another set of eyes um, and then, uh, on the advice of my shrink, I watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> oh. I was talking to my shrink about how I sort of had a fascination with um, people who are in, like, super religious cults or whatever, like, uh, fundamentalist Mormonism. And she was like, oh, you have to watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, so, it was pretty good. Um, I didn't like the third season that much. Um, it sort of started punching down, uh, you know, making fun of... Um, social justice oriented people at universities which i think is a yeah really stupid trope of a joke uh, that is not yeah. based in reality so yeah but the first two seasons were good um have you guys watched that show no yeah i think i've seen all of it yeah uh, um, yeah will was watching it and i sort of like drop in and out with him watching it every once in a while but i liked it for the most part it's pretty funny um Funnily enough, my I, so I watched the whole thing, and then I went. I had another therapy appointment, and I was like, "Who's your favorite character?" And my therapist loves the drunk psychiatrist on that show. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "Drunk Tina Fey as a shrink is like the greatest thing." So it was, it was. I thought it was very, very funny to hear <laughs> that. Um, so I attempted to watch season two of True Detective, uh, and I it was so bad. Yeah. Oh lord! Really oh my gosh! I got through maybe two and a half episodes, and I was like. Vince Vaughn does not belong on television, please. Yeah. 
no who's more. He, who's the other one that's in season two? Woody Harrelson. Oh. Was right? It? I thought he was in season one. Oh. No. Who's uh... this? Oh, no. No, I'm <laughs> Okay, now I have to look it up. <laughs> I just it's... remember seeing it, like, in passing. I didn't actually oh, watch. Oh, sorry. It's not even Vince Vaughn. Sorry. Yes, it is Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell. Um, oh, okay. And and Rachel McAdams is completely wasted. Even like the first one and a half or two and a half episodes or whatever. Um, yeah, I was not not pleased at all. Yeah, I can like I'm pretty forgiving with television. Like if something the whole season of something is available, I will generally watch it, even if it's hate watching. But this, I watched an episode or two, and I was just like, this is just boring yep. and bad, and I can't do it anymore. I didn't care about anybody. Like, not even close. Just, yeah, no hook. But I am, I was sort of excited to see that um, Marsha, Marsha Alley is going to be in the third one, in the third season. Mm, um, yeah. So hopefully that's a little better. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully. I also, I heard that season two doesn't really have any of the slightly maybe supernatural elements that the first season had. The first season just... had supernatural elements? Kind of. Like, not overt. Yeah, a little bit. But, hmm. but it was like like something was going on that was unexplainable. Like witchy and cryptic. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I need to rewatch see... the first season. Because I, <laughs> I remember witchiness, but I guess to me witchiness is not supernatural. It's like extra natural. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Um... And then another, my next thing that I watched and really enjoyed was um, The Handmaid's Tale uh, after Pam was telling me to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I freaking loved it and I cannot yeah. wait for the next season. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. it was perfect. Truly perfect television. Um, yeah. And it was very upsetting. Uh, it was hard to watch. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. I loved it. Riley, you need to watch it. Yes, please. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> to find it first. Um, uh, actually, you you remind me of, of that actress, Elizabeth Moss, uh, Riley, so you should, yeah, get to watch it. <laughs> it was sad. It was, it, this show was, so really, was really sad. It's, I mean, I've read it, so yeah. I, yeah. But it, it was just so, like, I don't know, I, I, a lot of my mental energy these days is spent worrying about the end of the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those shows that makes you think about, like, um, you know, what are you going to do when someone comes to take away your loved ones? Like, mm-hmm. y- you need a plan. I know it sounds crazy, but we all need a plan. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I've been watching. I-, I feel like I've talked way too long, but I've I watched a spate of documentaries, so I will have to recommend one of them, which was um, Awake, A Dream of Standing Rock. Uh, if you don't know anything about Standing Rock um, and the protests that went on there, this is it's a documentary on Netflix um, that was absolutely incredible uh and heart-wrenching and a good um primer especially if you are sort of like a you know if you're a comfortable white person in north america and you don't really know much about indigenous issues it's a good it was a really good documentary so yeah oh my god awesome i have so much more to talk about this is i sorry i feel like i'm taking up way too much time no no (laughs) that's okay we can rotate around to riley and then we can come back to you okay good (laughs) Okay, well, mine will be easy because I haven't really done very much. (laughs) 
Um, what did I? So like, I have popped on to Overwatch, but only to buy loot boxes so I can get, so I could get some of the summertime skins. Did you get? Uh, any, did you get the ones you wanted? Yes. Good. Yeah, I got Widowmakers and Mercies and Sombras. Uh, those were the ones that I really cared about, and then I bought Divas from last year, which is like her, the Korean flag. Oh um, yeah. One, which I love, and I was upset that I didn't get last year, so I have that one now. Um, I love the Widowmaker one from this year. It's so, so good. And when so she, like, goes and does her ultimate, like, she flips the sunglasses down. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, like, I just popped on to pick that up, and then I'm hoping to maybe get some time to do some placements either today maybe early tomorrow and then i'm away for a week and then i might be able to do them next weekend so we'll see but <laughs> it'll be where, a while where are you going um chicago what yeah my mom got tickets to hamilton so oh yeah oh my gosh oh I have so much fun <laughs> yeah that's exciting. wicked yeah we leave monday so sweet I have to nice get all my stuff together before then but um and then uh they had the Destiny 2 PC beta uh, popped up on the Blizzard launcher, so I was like, okay, I'll try that out. Um, it's so fun. <laughs> like, I logged on and I was, like, playing through it and I was like, yes, oh, gosh. It feels so much better than it does on console for me. Like, I'm such a bad mm. console aimer and, like, playing shooting games uh, on the PlayStation is really tough for me, so being able to do it on the computer was like, oh, it was so good. And like to me, the controls felt really intuitive because I was like, oh, I've been playing Overwatch a lot, so all the controls were in a similar place. I had to look up some because I wasn't sure what they did. Um, and Destiny's tutorial was like <laughs> garbage, so <laughs> it wasn't very good at all. Um, so, uh, yeah, I played a bit of that. I played the first strike that they offered, which is kind of like it's like a three-person instance or scenario, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, that was really fun. I saw like the first like social area. They opened that up for a little bit, um, and it was really pretty. And uh, then like at the end of all the stuff that you do in the in the beta, they're like, oh, now you have now you can like pre-order it if you want to. And then it's like, it comes out for PC at the end of October. Oh. Um, can, I, can I ask you a question about, so I know a lot of people played Destiny when it first came out. Like, people went super ham sandwich on that game. What yeah. was the reason people sort of stopped playing? Was there, I feel like it petered out after a while. Was there some? Um, I feel like it was probably just like lulls between content. Oh, okay. Um, because like. Every time a new expansion came out, people would be back on it. But like, I don't know. It's kind of like. Was wow, that the I game guess. with the thriller dance? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. Lots of dances. <laughs> Is there a lot of difference between the Destiny Two and the original? That uh, you saw? No, gameplay wise, no. no. It seemed pretty similar. Um, they changed around. Um the classes a little bit like one of them 
So there's like three. There's Hunter, Warlock, and Titan. And the Warlock has a healing pool now, which I don't remember from the first game. So that's interesting. And then um, the Hunter has like its original gunslinger spec where you get um, like the golden gun ultimate. And you can like shoot a gun. Really cool. Um, <laughs> and then uh, they added like this new spec. I don't remember what it's called, but I like to call it the Thunderstick Hunter because <laughs> um, you get like a staff uh like a quarter staff uh for your ultimate and you can like smash people with your lightning staff that sounds really fun was the best like i wish that i had like recorded the first time that i got to use it because i was like screaming (laughs) i was like this is so cool um so that was really cool and then they changed the tank class uh and like their ultimate they now have like a captain america shield that they like bash people with uh and like you can hold it up and you can have people stand behind you and you get like a big shield kind of like reinhardt Mm. in overwatch so that kind of deal um but other than that like the gameplay seemed pretty similar i mean like how can you really uh make a shooter feel drastically different i don't know but Yeah. yeah yeah um but it felt better to me on the pc just that i was able to aim better so did yeah. you did you retain like your items and stuff from the first one, or did you or you, did you no, start fresh? No, no. So the thing with if you buy it on PC, like nothing, oh, right. nothing uh, is going to carry over. Yeah. That's so rough. if you buy it on PS4, I believe, I believe that like your emotes and stuff carry over, but like and like your character, but you can't like import your old character from PS4 to PC. Uh so you'd have to make a whole new one, which is kind of shitty because, like, you know, if you're really attached to your old character, then yep, you have to stay on the PlayStation. I wonder if you can import from Xbox to PC. I feel like probably not. Because hmm. I know that, like, PS PlayStation is, like, kind of... Um, set on not sharing with any other consoles or platforms yeah, whereas yeah. <laughs> whereas xbox is better about that yeah i don't know i haven't heard anything about that huh. um but yeah it was really fun uh and then i was like okay i'll go look at the pre-order prices sure like why not uh and mm-hmm. so like the first version with like no like nothing special like if you pre-order it you just get like the game was 59 us Mm -hmm. the next one up with like some extra guns and like skin colors or whatever for your ghost was like mm, 89 and then and then there's another version with a little more stuff and like some extra like exclusive things that was a hundred us dollars jeez one hundred U.S. dollars. That is banana yeah. pancakes, frankly. Oh, uh, and it came with like all this cool shit, and I was like, I want it all, but I'm gonna <laughs> spend like it's gonna be like a hundred and thirty dollars. Like, I guess what you have to do is like, are you gonna play a hundred hours of that game? Would you put in a dollar every oh. time you sat down at your computer to play? If if that's yeah. the case, then yes, you should 
spend the well, hundred bucks, but if not, yeah, yeah. And then like the thing about it being on the Battle.net launcher is that like all of my friends that I already play Overwatch with on the PC are like, ooh, yeah, I'm interested in checking out Destiny. And, like, a bunch of, like, tons of people who wouldn't normally have been able to play Destiny because, like, either they have one PlayStation in a household. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Then, you know, you can't, like, there's no cross-platform play, but, like, you know, you could have two people playing on PC instead of one person playing on PlayStation, like, in your house. So, yeah. mm-hmm. like, you know, I think more people will be able to access it through PC than, than like, and maybe we'll actually give it a try, but... Ugh, I just, it's, it's like, it's so expensive. <laughs> and then, like, uh, the delay between the PlayStation release and the PC release is a little ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So I'm really not stoked about that. Like, end of October, like, it's two months, basically. Oh, yeah, it's September. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, like, by that time, the PlayStation group of people who are playing will have already seen all of the like the strikes and the story and they'll be geared up and they'll have all this cool stuff and then like so anybody that you know wants to avoid spoilers and stuff has to do like two months worth of avoiding anything about destiny uh, yeah that sucks yeah so i don't know it's <laughs> i don't know it's just <laughs> dumb it's so dumb but like we gotta have the console exclusivity woo Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of all that I've played. I haven't really been playing a lot. Um, and then uh, the Game of Thrones is over for now. Yeah. The season finale happened. And it's not coming back for two years. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I can't believe it. That don't, yeah. that that's a long time. That's yeah. So long. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, what do they need to do? I don't know. Build for a that better long. For some dragon? people to get older? Who knows? Make a real dragon. Make, Make a real, real dragon. dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Have you guys both ha- seen the last episode? I have. I haven't watched the show in a season and a half, so okay. I'm... Don't... I, I don't worry about spoilers. I'm totally... I, I'm checked out on that show. I don't... You're like, Whatever. It's fine. Like I'll probably watch it eventually, but I just lost interest. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about the finale? <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like it was like super predictable. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, um, and then like somebody complained, like uh, complained to me at work, and they were like, "Yeah, so the first half of the episode was so boring, um, because it's kind of like the three like big." power players like getting together to like try and figure out something and like actually talk to each other it's literally mm-hmm. just them like walking to the giant stadium where they're going to be meeting mm-hmm. um for like the first 20 minutes and i was like well i don't know i kind of i didn't mind it <laughs> yeah i thought that was a good part like yeah. the idea of everyone <laughs> yeah. coming together for the first time i thought that was pretty good yeah Is, isn't so. that what you guys suggested on this very podcast i feel like when you talked about this before you were like can't we just figure some shit out and not, like, <laughs> I, I swear, that's what you guys predicted on the podcast. Well, they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, 
liked it. There were some bits of it that I was like, like, okay, fine, whatever, of course. Like, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, the scene at Winterfell with Littlefinger and the Stark children was probably my favorite scene out of the entire episode. Uh, because I was like, fucking finally, dude gets his... Dude gets his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. The whole lead up to that, like, I just found, even if you think about the end and like, oh, I guess Arya and Sansa were really working together all along, it yeah. still makes the scenes with them in the previous episodes really stupid. Like, yeah. <laughs> they were just being assholes to each other for no reason. Like, unless they were assuming that he was spying on them or something, but they just seemed like... Yeah, I don't know. I I still didn't like how they handled Sansa and Arya. No, no, I didn't like that either. Um, yeah, and then the whole um, Jon Snow business, mm. man, like ugh, the most like predictable story twist in <laughs> the universe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. And then are like, we, are we spoiling things? Can I ask you what what was the What's the reveal about Jon Snow? It's that he's a Targaryen, right? Is that that was yeah. my guess? Okay, yeah, you got yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, super. I'm smart. I did it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's a Targaryen, and like even he's Rhaegar, like a legitimate Targaryen. Yeah, a legitimate. And he's Daenerys not a is not yeah. now. What? Yeah. S- what? So who are her f- parents? Oh well, she's still le- legitimate, but like oh, he would be the right. heir because he's a man. Oh, that's not exciting, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then they have sex. And they just have sex. Yeah. (laughs) There was no, like, romantic lead up. Like, no, there was no chemistry about, like, Riley's like, if you're gonna do it, wine me and dine me. Come on. Yeah, no, seriously. (laughs) Like, just, they have this, like, like huge like potential like obviously like there are people that ship like ship them together or whatever and like you know you're like there are so many fanfic writers that could give you like tips on how to do like a slow burn properly when like (laughs) you you don't just like smash them together at the end (laughs) like you've got to have like the lead up and the build up and then and then the payoff not just like oh they met now they love each other. Now they're boning. Like no. Um, my yeah. my one question is is this uh, how do if they're introducing a second incestuous couple, mm. um, how do, are they like reluctant at all about it, or do they not know? Well, that they don't related? know. Oh, okay. they don't know. Yeah, yeah. they don't know yet. And so, like, as they're like doing the do, <laughs> they like there's like voiceover and like scenes flashing to other people that are like oh we have to tell john and like Bran can see everything and so (laughs) Bran must be like we have to tell john because he's boning her right now (laughs) that is so awkward yeah Yeah, that is awkward to the max it was it was the weirdest intercut of scenes like they're like having sex and it just intercut with like oh yeah She's his aunt. Oh I'm yeah, he's Sam. Real, like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, I was transcribing the old Maester's diary, and I'm like, no, you weren't. Freaking Gilly read that to you, you asshole. Like, yeah, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> it was weird, and then it was also weird that Tyrion was just like standing outside Watching their door the, door the whole time. <laughs> oh, God, oh. it was it was a very bad 
sex scene. It was. It was everything about that was like there was no lead up. There was no chemistry between the actors. It was intercut with like, yeah, they're totally related. And it was like, it's like they tried their best to make it as unsexy as possible, which is weird because usually Game of Thrones is all about the sexy times. So this was just like, ugh. No, oh, I, yeah. I, I have a... I don't want it. <laughs> no. I don't want it, no. You know, it's funny because I never really thought about actor chemistry before, but um, uh, someone suggested to me that I watch... Okay, bear with me. The Charlie's <laughs> Angels remake from, like, 2000 or whatever. Oh, uh, like, like movie. Yeah, because they were like, yeah. the actor chemistry is amazing. It's very clear that they were all friends and they really enjoyed making this movie. And they, and it's totally true. If you want to <laughs> see really great actor chemistry, everyone in that movie is awesome together. So yeah. when you say that two people in a very serious or supposedly serious sex scene in Game of Thrones don't have chemistry, I'm like, no. No, they That's don't. That's gross. <laughs> no, thank you. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, gosh. And then like, now they're all screwed because literally uh <laughs> because the dead dudes broke the wall with the blue dragon oh so, boy yep oh yeah one of her one of her dragons died oh no uh and yeah. got turned into like a dragon white by the night king okay that's so cool. it's like an undead blue fire breathing dragon was that a cool scene uh, yes, but I was yeah. yelling the whole time, like, don't do it! <laughs> yeah, it was a cool scene, but I don't know. I'm wondering if Tyrion is going to betray Daenerys, because hmm. he talked to Cersei, and then Cersei's like, okay, I'll help you guys fight the White Walkers, and then the next scene, she's like, no, I was oh, lying. she's like, fuck no, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, like, I've been, like, super impressed by her like ruthlessness this mm-hmm. season like man she's doing a good job yeah so sneaky i love it mm-hmm. um yeah that's all i've been up to <laughs> it's just those three things but i talked a lot about them <laughs> you've been to be fair you've been busy so yeah you know, you're yeah. you're away doing stuff that's true that's true So I played a couple things, Uh, one which was clearly influenced by Blade Runner, which was Observer, and it's a like cyberpunk adventure game done by the same people who made Layers of Fear, which I talked about uh, an episode a little while ago. And so you play uh, someone called an Observer, and he's like a cop, except he can like mind jack into people and like see their memories and things to help him solve crimes and he is played voiced by rutger hauer so wow (laughs) yeah uh and it's really it was a really good game like it was you go you're in this apartment block and you're looking for your son who had called you and then along the way you have to solve murders and you have all this like technology implanted into you so you have like a biological view where you can see like blood or any kind of dna or anything so you can examine it and then you've got a a technology view which lets you see um things you can interface with that's a cool uh mechanic that's neat. Yeah, yeah. And then so one of the big things is when you find a dead body, you can like jack into them and see their 
their memories and try to figure out what killed them and it's all very like creepy and like you keep sort of glitching out uh and it's also just like a very very dark cyberpunk version of the future like uh most uh like blade runner for example you know there's there's flying cars and there's still lavish parties and things and while you know the environment is screwed uh there's still you know some cool things to look forward to whereas in this game there was like no positives at all that i could see it was just everything was terrible (laughs) but was someone still making money that's the key Oh, yeah, there was a big corporation that was making money off everyone, and everyone had some kind of cybernetic implant that would need patches and need updating from this company, and there was emails and things you'd find from people who were veterans, and they were given all these enhancements, and then once whatever war was over, the government or the corporation would no longer support them, so their enhancements would just, like, go bad. So it was very, very dark. It was like there was no no happiness or shininess at all. Um, the other thing I played was a game called The Sexy Brutale, which was super cute. It was all about sort of time manipulation. You go to this uh, big mansion for a party and you find out that all the servants are killing all of the guests. Ooh. So you need to prevent all these murders. So like the the very first one in the game, someone gets shot in the chapel and then you're able to like rewind time and you can go and find the servant who's going to kill him and you can like eavesdrop on him, find out what the plan is and then you can go and find the gun and you can like put blanks in it instead of real bullets in what? order That's to awesome. save them. And yeah, so it's basically like that. Every you You get like a new person or people to save for each sort of mission and you just do a lot of jumping back and forth in time and like finding codes to doors and following people and sort of ruining the way that they plan on committing the murder and it's uh it was really really fun i played through it over two days when was that is a new game or old game it's new i think it was uh, i think it was released this year maybe last year it sounds um have you seen this a trailer for this movie called happy death day i think it's called where no, this girl has to relive her the day that she's murdered over and over again until she prevents her own murder. Oh no! Whoa. Oh my gosh! It's okay. So it's kind of like a teen horror, but it looks amazing. <laughs> like I am totally into it, and uh, you know, it's it's really funny because she like since she figures out in the end that or not in the end, but like she figures out pretty quick that it's not uh, there are no consequences because she dies every day, so she can do whatever she wants. So she starts like walking around naked. <laughs> yeah so it's it seems really uh it seems like a fun movie but it sounds it sounds a lot like that game yeah yeah that sounds fun yeah the game was it was really good i definitely recommend it to anyone who likes sort of murder mystery type games um other than that i played some overwatch i finished up last season i did my placements for this new season uh I rage uninstalled after two matches <laughs> and then reinstalled the next day. You know what uh, I like about you? You're consistent. You're very yeah. consistent with the uh, uninstalling. Yeah. Yeah, I get mad and I'm like, I'll show you game and <laughs> I'm not sure that it really it really learns its lesson ever, but 
I try. Yeah, so I did my placements. It's funny because Will wouldn't play with me uh, just because he's a jerk, I guess. And we ended up placing at the literal exact same <laughs> skill ranking. <laughs> <laughs> No, so no, I saw no that comment. and I was like, no I fucking whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, and then today I played a couple more matches and got myself back to Diamond. Yay. So, yeah. Good job. Thank you. Diamond's and good, right? Then... I don't know anything about it. Yes, Diamond's good. Okay, good. Good job. <laughs> good. Thank you. Otherwise, I would have uh... told you you sucked. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I've watched a few things. I continued watching through Orphan Black, although I was disappointed to find that Crave actually only has four seasons, so I have to find the last two seasons if I want to finish that. And I started watching Preacher, which is weird, sort of. It's entertaining. It's like based on a, a graphic novel, so it's very violent and kind of odd. It's about this preacher who gets, uh, well, I read the Wikipedia about the graphic novel and it explained what it's actually about, but I don't think the show has actually explained what oh. he's been possessed by at this point. So that's annoying when you kind of just yeah. want to know. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. I'll probably continue watching the first season. It's got a Ruth Nega in it and she does such a good job. I haven't seen her in much except the Warcraft movie. And actually, the Preacher was also, he was King Lane in the Warcraft movie. And so they didn't really get to do much of anything with that script. So it's nice to see them have some more fun media roles. <laughs> Did you actually see, you actually saw the Warcraft movie? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, was it awful? <laughs> I didn't like no. it. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't man. mind it at all. I mean, oh. like, there were some parts where I was like, okay. <laughs> like there were other parts where it was like it was just really cool to see like mages do mage stuff. Oh yeah, I bet that is cool. Yeah. 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 I like that part. Like you got to see Karazan and mm-hmm. uh Stormwind and all that stuff. Yeah. That was neat. But in terms of the actual story, I didn't No, yeah, no, it was bad. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. You're not missing yeah. much. <laughs> I watched The Incredible Jessica James, which has Jessica Williams from The Daily Show, and it's sort of a movie about, I guess, dating in the modern world. It has uh, the Irish guy from the IT crowd in it as well, and it was funny and cute. Um, I I currently wish she was hosting. She had been chosen to host Daily Show instead of... Trevor Noah, who can me too die in a fire. As far as I'm concerned, I'm <laughs> super mad at him right now. So, yeah, she would have probably been a better host. I think so. She, her segments were always my favorite yep. parts of The Daily Show. So. Yeah, she was good. And I've also been watching the most recent season of Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I think is like one of the funniest sitcoms like cable sitcoms out there right now it's, i need uh, i need to sit down and watch that show because i remember watching an episode of it at your house actually and i was like this is amazing but i never yeah. i never went back to it so i gotta, yeah, go, I gotta do that it's it's super good the cast is all great and i love the ca- captain holt the best he's just like this super serious like robotic man but he's hilarious and uh yeah brooklyn 99 is fantastic and i'm happy that it's still fantastic four seasons in 
Um, was there anything uh, reading-wise or listening-wise you wanted to talk about? Yeah, can I shout out some podcasts I've been listening to? Just yeah. because So these are uh, the, the my most favorite one I've been listening to that has been on for a few years, but I just discovered it is called We Hate Movies. Um, if you guys like listening to people make fun of bad movies, it's absolutely amazing. These guys are super hilarious. They're all... Um, they all went to college together, uh, purchased college in New York, and they're half comedian, half filmmakers. Um, oh. So they just, they all have really good opinions on movies. And um, the, the joke of the series is that they don't actually hate movies. They actually really love bad movies. Uh, <laughs> but they, you know, it's fun to make fun of things. Uh, and, and I really like it because um, it's a show hosted by, you know, mid-30s white Americans, uh, males, but they don't uh, punch down ever. They're like super guys who punch up all the time. Um, they, when, you know, when they when they really hate a movie and that, like, for example, something that's a super common, terrible trope in bad movies is like making fun of or making a huge joke out of the gay character. And they're like, this, this movie's bad. Like, don't, this is a bad joke and it's not funny. <laughs> Um, whereas I've heard other, you know, similarly themed podcasts who don't point that out as like being a problem. So mm-hmm. yay, we hate movies uh, is super worth listening to. Um, okay. Next one, I actually went to see a live show of last podcast on the left. Um, if anyone is into true crime or um, weird stuff, like they just released an episode today about someone who's supposedly abducted by aliens. So I'm excited to go listen to that. Um Super, super good, good show. Really funny. Uh, I also listened to the entirety of My Favorite Murder, um, which is still ongoing. Um, that's another true crime podcast, um, which it's kind of okay. It's funny because I was, I like that it's hosted by women. Women um, uh, have an, sort of an interesting place in true crime because of um, mostly Anne Rule, who's a famous true crime writer. But mm-hmm. um, listening to women talk about like possibly being murdered is very different from listening to men talk about it, at least for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So while this podcast does have some problems, like these are two bougie white girls who, you know, have some issues with like uh, the way they talk about certain things. Uh, But it is, if you want a different perspective than uh, male hosted podcasts, uh, it's a pretty good one. Um, I've also been listening to, I might get some flack for this since it's controversial but uh big big fan of chapo trap house lately um i didn't really like that podcast in the beginning but uh they've been a lot better lately about um some issues they've had in the past with i don't want to say like what is chapo trap house yeah (laughs) Uh, so that's a it's a politics podcast um but again like you know every podcast is hosted by comedians who happen to have an interest in something else um, hmm. You know, they're not, these guys aren't politicians, they're not writers, they're not, you know, like scholars or anything. Uh, they're left, they're, you know, socialists who ha- are funny and talk about funny shit on their podcast. Uh, but mostly it's, so my favorite parts are when they do things like, you know, they'll read, like, some pundit will release uh, an opinion piece in, you know, the New Republic or the Atlantic or something. And it's, you know, when you read an article and you're like, 
what the hell is wrong with people? Why do they write this? <laughs> so they do a great reading series on Chapo where they'll just read someone's terrible opinion and make fun of them. <laughs> like, yeah. And to me, that's hilarious. Um, I love those reading series. So, uh, you know, if you're... It's worth listening to if you want to know, get sort of caught up on American politics and stuff, which I have a hard time doing. So it's worth it for that. And then I finally started listening to an ESPN podcast for if you're into baseball, Baseball Tonight uh, with Buster Olney, who I have a huge crush on. So um, and it's a they release two episodes a day. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's a really Is that all they do? Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. So they do like the scoreboard where they where they just talk about scores and then they release a you know, forty five minute discussion podcast. Um and the their beleaguered producers from Maine, so he's a Red Sox fan like yours truly. So uh it's a it's a really good one if you like baseball. So highly recommend baseball tonight. Um and then as far as reading goes, I'm still onto this reading trashy mystery novels um i just finished another uh uh a british one called the woman in cabin 10 which was a murder mystery on a cruise ship or on a yacht or whatever it's actually mm-hmm. super scary totally recommend it um mm-hmm. it, it does not end at all the way i thought it was gonna end so it was really good and then i'm currently reading a book called the couple next door um which is by a toronto author actually uh and it's uh again like um big a uh, crime b- with a big twist so that's that's my that's my media for the last year or six months i guess since i've been on your show oh no it's been a year <laughs> yep all right uh no it hasn't oh no you're we right talked to me about aliens yes, in right. like march N- yes never mind six five months <laughs> uh so the last thing i listened to season two of alice isn't dead uh, and it was good. It was just like the first season um, about this trucker who goes on this sort of surreal kind of road trip and she finds out about these monsters that are uh, feeding on people and how it seems to be sponsored by the government in some way. And it's sort of a combination between like the road trip surreal stuff and then commentary as she's going through all these sort of old rundown towns about how progress is made by being more efficient but the more efficient we are the less jobs we ah. have, the less jobs there are and we tell people their worth is based on their jobs but there's less jobs to go around so it sort of balances between talking about those two things and it it makes me want to play um Oh, what's it called? Kentucky Route Zero. Because I haven't actually started Kentucky Route Zero yet because the, all the episodes aren't out yet. But I feel like it's a very similar kind of tone. So, um, who that's... who makes that podcast? Is that a that's a like a, a radio uh, drama or? Yeah, it's a radio drama. I think it's done by the people who do Welcome to Night Vale. I think. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's good. And that's about it for what we've been doing. So our main topic for discussion this episode is the movie Blade Runner. So Blade Runner was made in 1982, directed by Ridley Ridley Scott, and based on the novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. 
It stars Harrison Ford as uh, Rick Deckard, who is a Blade Runner, meaning he uh, tracks down and kills replicants, which are basically fake humans, uh, but they are pretty much indistinguishable from humans. So this was your first time seeing this, right, Sarah? I, <clears throat> ooh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my first time ever, which I feel like is embarrassing, and I, it's something I should have watched a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad. Um, yeah, I'm glad we watched it, for sure. Yeah, me too. Even I hadn't seen it for a long time. Like, I probably saw it in university, and it was just the once, so... Uh, a, a lot of it seemed new to me. I guess it's funny because I don't. I guess I just don't really go in for big uh, sci-fi movies a lot. So mm. I feel like I'm glad I have you two to to like sh- <laughs> show show me the movies I've been missing out on. I like. We should keep this trend up for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. Uh, any initial thoughts on the movie from either of you? I thought it was beautiful. I mean, it was just the score and the setting and the visuals. I'm glad we watched it on your totally sweet TV and on Blu-ray because it was really, really gorgeous movie. Um, yeah, just just beautiful. Yeah, I like um, one of the things that I noticed like this time around watching it was that is like something similar that I noticed when we watched Alien before was that. Like, the environment looks lived in. Like, it looks like people have... Like, it doesn't look like something that they just plopped down on a a movie set and started filming. Like, it looks like they went into, like, an actual, Mm -hmm. like, city and, like, filmed where people were already living. Um, So it looked, like, believable and and I really liked that. I feel like that's a problem that Star Trek has. Everything always looks so brand new on that show, and I understand it's supposed mm. to be like, or on that in those movies, and I understand it's supposed to be like shiny future, but people still exist there, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the things that really stood out when we watched the trailers for the new Blade Runner movie. Uh, it's just like the original just looks so good, like the effects and everything stand up so well because everything looks real. Like there mm-hmm. seems to be. Uh, a minimum of cgi and stuff and you know things look a little dirty and a little grimy whereas uh i don't know i find most new movies they sort of lose that realism because everything is just uh like altered in such a way that it makes it look fake so this is actually something i was uh thinking about last night um that i wanted to mention here was uh i i think i prefer uh, good effects in older movies versus uh, amazing effects in new movies. I, I don't, I'm not impressed by new stuff really a lot, which is funny because I usually don't like older movies, but the the effects in things like Alien and what we, and Blade Runner, like they're gorgeous, just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, uh, I mean, I think this kind of comes into something we've talked about on every episode that we've done together, <laughs> where like, where it was like the practical effects versus oh, yeah, digital yeah. effects, yeah, yeah. and yeah. practical just always seems better. And I agree, like, I'd rather have good effects than you know very shiny CGI, unless you're going like way into fantasy or sci-fi. 
Um, but like, I don't know, say Guardians of the Galaxy or something like mm-hmm. that obviously yeah. has some very obvious effect work. But if you're trying to keep something sort of grounded, uh, yeah, I think staying away from the CGI is sort of the, the way to go. But you know what? Even in like um, the the effect that was in both Wonder Woman and uh, the new Wonder Woman and Guardians of the Galaxy, that sort of whip. Like oh, the, yeah. <laughs> so to me, that's that's like a nice, simple, good effect that is it just looks great. The bigger stuff doesn't impress. That don't impress me much. <laughs> <laughs> give, give me the little stuff and I'm happy. So the movie is basically all about Harrison Ford tracking down these replicants and replicants are were made they say at the beginning to as basically slave labor like it wasn't just like how how realistic can we make ai it was specifically for labor and capitalism purposes mm-hmm. uh but there's not really any difference that we can tell between replicants and humans um like i found it really interesting the first time we see him kill one mm-hmm. Uh, like there's there's no I, I I was expecting something like wiring or you you brought up like the the milk blood mm-hmm. like from Alien yeah. and there was really nothing to distinguish them even when they're dead. Yeah, so I think that that's a really good point, and it actually I think is a part of the weakness of the film is is because there's so little difference. Uh, the moral message is kind of lost. I mean, maybe there isn't a moral message, but I, I just, yeah, it made it so, like, we all know murder's bad, you know? You shouldn't murder people. <laughs> um, so making it, making them no different from people was, I don't know, it's an odd choice. Uh, at least if you're not going for the heavy-handed metaphors. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the, sort of, the point of the movie is about, like, what is the difference between between human and replicant and does it even matter like a replicant's gone to a place where there really isn't any difference at all uh so one of the questions we have is from a latino lawyer and he asks are we to empathize with replicants does their ability to effectively navigate relationship dynamics form the basis for just treatment so, so here's my question: If if they're if we're supposed to say robots can be just like people and we should treat them like people, then why not just make a movie about people? Like, hmm. you know what I mean? I just you can make a movie about you know any time time in history when we've treated humans horrifically, uh, and it had sort of the same message: like people you think are lesser than you should be treated with respect and as humans even if you think they're just for slave labor. Uh, if that's... The, maybe I'm missing the point of this entirely. Uh, but, so yeah, it's... It, I, I don't know if... Like, yes, we should empathize with them, but I don't think... I don't think that makes the movie special. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess it's just a different setting. Um, right. And I think people find it easier to talk about that kind of stuff in metaphor as like oh, a true. hypothetical that doesn't exist yet rather than talk about all the examples of when people have been used this way like actual people have been used this way throughout history that's a really mm-hmm. good point 
Were we gonna? Oh, sorry. I was just gonna. Since we talked about this, we're talking about uh, effects earlier. If we were gonna talk about um, aesthetic influences. Ah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that. Um, so the in- the movie has obviously influenced a lot of other movies and even video games. Uh, are there any particular ones you want to talk about? The that film had. I mean, it is. You know, you can watch so much stuff, and I consider myself a media junkie. Like, I ingest everything. Uh, but once you see sort of the originator of something, it's it's so shocking to see how derivative everything else is. I mean, that, that, it's it's it was the same with watching this Godard film. I was just like, does nobody have an original idea anymore? <laughs> like, it's, it is sort of shocking when you see something that's so heavily influenced... Uh, almost everything else. So like Blade Runner and what's another, I think Brazil is a big, mm-hmm. you know, cyberpunk future influencer. And mm-hmm. those two movies alone, you can, almost everything else has been based off those. Uh, and it's just, um, A, it makes me sort of wish people would come up with n- newer and better things uh, on their own. Uh, but B, it also, uh, makes me very proud of the people who made the originals um, that they were able to have such a significant influence. Uh, and those people, and it's not like, you know, classic art where no one gave a shit about, you know, Rembrandt or whatever until five, I don't know when things were made, a <laughs> hundred years later uh, or whatever. Um, this is like, these people are still alive and kicking and they, and they, like influence culture so much that's it's just wild to me yeah like the one of the more like recent uh things that i've watched that while we were watching blade runner i was like okay (laughs) um is westworld um Mm. because for the most part like the what do they call them the robot people Oh, I don't Shoot. remember. I don't remember. I'll look it up real quickly. <laughs> assets? <laughs> I think they call them assets. Uh, but they don't call oh, them Oh, host. Host, okay. Um, With the hosts, like, the hosts don't know that, like, they are what they are, basically. Um, until, like, a catalyst in the show happens. Um, and, uh, like, so much of the stuff that happens with the hosts is that they're used for, uh, like, entertainment. So they're basically, like, NPCs in, in a game, uh, essentially, in a game world. Um, where, like, in, in Blade Runner, they're used as, like, manual labor for off-world colonies, um, that, like, you know humans don't want to do or they can't do uh just because mm-hmm. they're not like as strong or whatever um so the uh like just watching blade runner again i was like oh i can see where some of the westworld ideas came from because uh like eventually in westworld there ends up being this big thing where once once they're made smarter and more aware, they are better than people. And mm-hmm. they're smarter than people and they're stronger than people. Um, so 
you know, they put a lock on the hosts to, so that, like, they can't upgrade their software. And in Blade Runner, they give them basically an expiry date so that once they start, uh, like, getting emotions and stuff like that and starting to think for themselves, they end up dying uh, before they can do that. And then mm-hmm. uh, they... And then I guess, like, with Westworld, they add, the problem starts when they add, uh, like, memories uh, and, like, specific, uh, like, behavioral attitudes that make them a little more human. And then we see in Blade Runner that uh, for the, like, the brand new models... Um, with I think Rachel specifically, they gave her memories, and mm-hmm. it took him a long time to figure out that she was a replicant. It took like a hundred questions, where normally it takes like twenty to thirty. Um, so I was like watching that. I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> there's some pretty strong parallels here. It's, yeah, I was gonna say it's actually interesting that you mentioned the the like purpose of the replicants or whatever because there was. Uh, when they were going through all the Nexus Six replicants at the beginning, the 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 woman was like, uh, oh, "Oh, she's used her leisure for the military," and I was yeah. like, "It's it's 1982, and we're envisioning 2019, and we still can't get over the sexist bullshit." Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> please. <Yeah. laughs> uh, so that I was like, "Really, we're still okay, fine," but mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was quite funny. But now you've made me want to watch Westworld. Um, it's I actually want to read Westworld. Uh, I know it's it sounds like a good whole series of media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. There's been so many things where I think of Blade Runner. Like even Fallout Four has a big focus on these. I forget what they're called in Fallout Four, but these robots who are basically the exact same as humans and everyone is afraid that they're going to be snatched up and replaced with a robot that's made like them and i remember one of the first things i saw when after i left my little sort of home base in fallout 4 was two people who looked exactly the same and they're fighting and they're like this one's the robot no this one's the (laughs) robot and you have to like and you have to do something so i shot one of them and then, like, I expected when I went to loot them, it like, I'd, I'd find something that proved that they were, that this one was the robot, but that never happened. So that really mm. reminded me <laughs> uh, when we watched Blade Runner yesterday. Actually, that was a very, I, I like that uh, question. I forget who asked it, but when Harris Fortis asked, um, have you ever mistakenly killed someone? You know, what, what, mm-hmm. or how do they yeah. phrase it? What did it feel? Have you retired? A human? Yeah. What did it feel like when you, the first time you accidentally retired a human? And I was like, and he, you know, he doesn't seem to have that strong emotional response to it either. So, um, but maybe he's just, well, that's how he acts. Uh, yeah. He's not well, very he says that he super ha- emotive. <laughs> he's, he says that he hasn't retired a human accidentally, but I mean, oh, that's how, right. do you, how, how do you, how do you know? tell? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's very interesting. Uh, yeah. So the four replicants that he's hunting down, they are on Earth, and I think they've been banned on Earth because it's so hard to tell them apart from humans. And their goal in this whole thing is to expand 
their their uh, lifespans because they want to live more than four years. So another question we have from a Latino lawyer is, wouldn't any entity with an artificially shortened lifespan try to extend it? Are the evil replicants acting on a drive for preservation? Which, I mean, I think they're totally acting on a drive for preservation. I, um, you know, maybe they could do it with a little less murder along the way <laughs> but I, I i mean that doesn't seem like an unfair thing if you're created but it's like oh you can only live for this long otherwise you yeah. might develop too many feelings you and then you die i think it's totally fair to want to find a way to extend that when you figure out life is kind of cool so this is like a problem i have with a way the way um uh, at least English language has evolved when talking about algorithms um, is, you know, robots and algorithms and computer programs are uh, representative of their makers. So it's not like something can just all of a sudden after four years grow emotions and, uh, you know, want to live. That's, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I understand we just suspend our disbelief and that's how it is in the future. Um, but uh, to me, there has to have been someone in that, in the Tyrell Corporation, who who made them that way. Uh, and I think, if I'm going to view it that way, I think the point is, it's just another thing that makes them, uh, as they say, more human than human. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it, another sign that we're supposed to see that they're just like people. Um, because uh, survival instinct is one of those things that separates AI from, uh, you know, real, real thoughts. So I, yeah, I don't know. It's so hard to say, uh, if, if it's, if it's, uh, just them getting a survival instinct, because I, I just, I truly cannot personify algorithms in that way. It's, it's whoever made them wanted them to want to survive. At least to me. Yeah. One of the, like, a recurring theme that I've noticed in some of the movies I've watched lately, and I forgot to mention that uh, I've watched Alien Covenant, uh, mm. the latest one. Um, mm. And, like, one of the themes that I've been seeing lately in, in uh, like, any of the media that I've watched or played that has someone creating something else has been, like, they, they're either, like, dying themselves Mm -hmm. or or they're getting like paid shit tons of money to do it uh and then their creations like get stuck on this uh either you know wanting to live as long or longer than their makers or like starting to create their own the like their own creations um and then being a little more ruthless about it in some cases, uh, like especially in Alien Covenant. <laughs> um, but it's just like, I don't know. It's uh, like, I think people in general, like we're, we're afraid of death. So like when we, like it's it's pretty easy, I think, to have the creator put that into whatever they're making because that's like that's just like a subconscious thing mm-hmm. um yeah even if it's unintentional yeah yeah like i feel like that's not something that could be avoided like that's just an inherent bias that would be 
present in creating these things. And I actually uh-huh. think it's it's hinted at in that line when uh, William Sanderson's character, Sebastian, I think is his last name, mm-hmm. uh, the, the toy guy, when he's like, oh, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I'm a genetic whatever at Tyrell. Yeah, there's he's a, there, aging. Yeah, when he says there's a little bit of me in you, and I yeah. was like, ugh. But it's true. Like, there's no, and I think this is something that tech workers really need to understand is like, whatever algorithm you write, whatever robot you make, whatever AI you invent, it's not, there's no objectivity. Like, there is a little bit of it in you, and you need to, people need to recognize that. And so when robots run amok and try to outlive us, well, whose fault is that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, what else? Okay, so I also watched Ghost in the Shell, which is another topic for another episode entirely (laughs) however the new one yeah oh no uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but like people like could also be creating these like replicants and like hosts in westworld or whatever and then hoping to like put their brain into that body and then like you never die you just need like hardware upgrades or whatever and then you just like have this machine body that's like super strong and better than your old body but you're like you are still in there i don't want that mm-hmm. <laughs> imagine i don't yeah. know everyone wants to live forever but imagine living forever Ugh. yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah 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 that was actually a thing in um the game i played observer there was it wasn't a main part of the well i guess it's sort of was but you come across this side quest and there's a little girl who has this um illness that means that she can't really she can't talk or interact with anybody and then this older woman whose body is failing and through nefarious means they sort of like link up in the little girl's brain with Mm. the intent of the woman taking over the little girl's body wow uh but it actually goes in a kind of cool direction because they with both of the minds in one body they sort of like teach each other things and sort of improve into a better person Hmm. so you get to make a decision whether you're going to pull the plug and separate them or reconnect them and let them both exist within the one body oh weird (laughs) yeah yeah uh oh and speaking of what sarah mentioned a little while that that sebastian's house is super creepy (laughs) super well made though like that's uh, again one of those things where that is just basic set set design and you know humans pretending to be dolls sitting very still and it was so effective so effective yeah i thought i thought that was great i mean i feel like that decision was sort of part of like having the technical limitations of being made in 1982 but it actually having humans play as the dolls makes it first of all super creepy and second of all just reinforce the theme of really what's what's the difference yeah Yeah. um so one of the things that i found interesting um a latino lawyer had another question about uh how all the animals are basically extinct in 2019 in this film and i thought it was really interesting that the voight camp 
Kampf test, which is supposed to be able to tell if you're a replicant based on your emotional responses, almost all the questions had to do with empathy towards animals and how you feel when animals are in distress in uh, distress and it was really interesting to me because in this world humans had basically killed all the animals i mean all the ones that we see are are basically replicant animals so i don't know i found it very interesting that you're asking all these questions i guess expecting people to empathize with them when actually humans had killed them all through their ever increasing expansion so maybe that's hmm. supposed to make you think about like the lack of perspective people actually have when it comes to the world around them. Like, uh, you know, we have this idea of what empathy is, uh, even though we don't actually behave that way. Mm-hmm. That's really, I hadn't yeah. thought of that. That's a good, that's a really good point about those questions. Yeah. I think it might be another example of the more human than human. Right. Bit. Because yeah. they react so strongly to that when mm-hmm. we already did that. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if the, if the if the test results are that the actual humans react less strongly to those questions, mm-hmm. uh, like because it just uh, I don't know. I thought that it was pretty interesting. Um, can I just to to dovetail off this that it sort of is a is one of the things I didn't like about this movie, and I'm sure if I read the book or read more about the film that I would understand more about the world. Like I thought the lack of world building, it annoyed me because I'm a nerd and I wanted to know like what was going on and why Mm -hmm. things were the way they were. Um, But I understand it's like mostly an aesthetic sort of eye candy film. I I mean, at least to me and in a good, and that's not a negative thing. That's a good thing. Um, So, but yeah, like what happened to all the animals? Like that's, I would love to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think most sort of sci-fi cyberpunk has just a common theme of we've ruined the environment <laughs> because of our uh, focus on technology yeah. and taking up as many resources as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just sometimes I hope that there's um, a more subtle explanation. Like... I love in 12 Monkeys, for example, the way that um, everything's sort of quiet, but the animals are still around, and it's because of a specific act of, like, environmental activism or whatever. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that bit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, talking a bit more about the replicants, there's a question from Jonathan Salini. Uh, why did Roy make the choice he did, which I guess is saving Deckard? at the end when they're on the rooftops mm. well I, I I think that was not to spoil the next upcoming question <laughs> but I think that's supposed to be a hint about who Deckard really is uh, mm. so but I'm not sure I could I could be totally wrong about that yeah I mean it could be that or it could be just like he was about to die maybe he just thought well there's not I'm not gaining anything or saving anybody by taking this guy out. Yeah. Mm. Although, so go ahead. Um, I feel like, aside from like needing to give him a way to do his little exposition, um, <laughs> that, that like, 
that might have been something that was like programmed and like hmm. but like he was chasing him to like kill him so I don't know um uh like we, we already saw that he was capable of like hurting somebody else so maybe that's that's not it but um maybe it's to show that again this like they're they're just like people is that they they also can have empathy um, yeah. or maybe it's it was to show you know at the end of their life like this is when they're growing emotions apparently and it was his Roy's last day right he was like right at the end of his yeah so maybe mm-hmm. it was just to, to show how empathetic they could be at the end of their lifespan yeah like even though he's about to die yeah that he would mm-hmm. still yeah do that I like that explanation. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> more human than human. Yeah. More human. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess we may as well get right to it. Uh, is Deckard a replicant? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I, I, it sort of changes based on the movie. Uh, most people think the theatrical release makes it more ambiguous, whereas in the final cut, uh, apparently it's supposed to be more clear that he is a replicant, and the director has even said, yes, he's a replicant. Oh, really? But, really? Oh, I didn't know yes. that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, but it's it's funny because you talk to different people, like Harrison Ford didn't think he was a replicant, well, and yeah. Philip... <laughs> Philip K. Dick thought that the ambiguity was, like, a, a very important part of his book. Yeah. I can see Which him. I, yeah. The author. That's sort of <laughs> where where I am. Like, I, I feel like asking what is human, what makes someone human is sort of the whole point of the movie. And it's if it's just like, oh, yep, he's totally a robot, then it, it kind of takes something away. Mm. Well, it takes something away, but then also leaves a lot unexplained like is he one of the nexus six ones is he a new type uh why why would they make robots who feel the need to drink johnny walker black label uh (laughs) why why would they why would he choose a job of hunting replicants if he himself is a replicant so so what they what what okay so now now what I think that they have done is is they've given him like personality quirks and memories and like you know his his feelings towards like his job or whatever um to not to make him not question that like oh so he doesn't know he's a replicant right 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 mm-hmm. oh god yeah because if you're a replicant. I mean, I guess, again, that it goes towards your programming, but why would you want to hunt down other replicants that are just trying to extend yeah. their own lives? Plus, like, like, I think... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say, like, he... Like, maybe they have, like, I don't know, different, like, copies of him, and they just, like, one runs out on its four-year whatever, and then they just put the new one in the field, like, to hunt down replicants again and like the new one wouldn't know any different mm-hmm. because it would have just been like you know the same starting place as the old one 
Yeah. You pull them out of retirement, and retirement is what they call shutting down the dudes, so. Mm-hmm. So can yeah. we, uh, not, I know we're, we're only talking about the original film, but I think, what do you think of, since Harrison Ford, aged Harrison Ford is in the, new, the trailer for the new one, does that. Yeah, well, now I'm like, well. Do we no. think he's a replicant or not? <laughs> because of that, we say no? Well, I, if he is, then that means that they made, like, a Nexus 7. Okay, and in that, mm-hmm. the short that we watched, the the ones that they were, like, showing the cases of, they had, like, Nexus 8. So maybe he's, like, a Nexus 7, like, the mm-hmm. version in between that can live longer. Isn't Rachel a Nexus 7, or is she a 6? I thought she was a 6. Oh, Okay. Because she was, but she was like an, another experimental mm, one yeah. that wasn't told that they were right. a replicant. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it could be that he was oh, a replicant. unknown model on her Wikipedia page. <laughs> huh. Yeah, because I like, I mean, I think the unicorn scene at the end or i guess at the beginning and Mm. then him finding the unicorn from uh what's his name james edward james olmos's character um gaff yeah so gaff left him the unicorn which would indicate that gaff knows about his memories or his imagination but Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's other there's other signs toward it, even without that. I mean, all of the pictures in his apartment are all, like, super old pictures. Uh, he's very strong. He's not killed by the other replicants, even though the other replicants seem to be able to murder people quite easily. Right. So. Hmm. Yeah. I guess it's just one of those things that we're not mm-hmm. going to know. Yeah, but but I do think that not knowing is more interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm interested in how it's going to play out in the next one. Whether he, I mean, he could just be a replicant that has more than one copy of him, or they could be a new model, or he could just be a human. <laughs> I guess we'll find out in a couple months. Yeah. No, it comes out, oh yeah, October 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have another question about should Rachel have been told she was a replicant? Hmm. Well, by whom? The the corporation that her, her she was... Her maker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, they're, if their whole thing is that they want it to be so indistinguishable then no you shouldn't tell her uh Mm -hmm. if we want to take the tact of the movie which is that we should be ethical towards them then yes you should yeah the thing i don't understand about everything is that i mean since they were made for labor purposes like why would you even make try to make them as human as possible like, why wouldn't you just make them Slave plain blobs. old robot? The Slave ego blobs. of yeah. man. Yeah, the yes. ego of man. That's right. 
It's a question, like, I've, I've been doing some reading about Okja and how they, like, oh, gen- genetically engineered this super pig. But why would you make it smart if it's supposed to be a food source? Make it dumb and unfeeling. Like, I don't understand why. If you want to just exploit something for a resource, then just make it incapable of thought or feeling. This is a very good point. I'm trying to think of like an actual real life equivalent. Oh, think about oh now I'm grossed out because think about um like all those home you know like Alexa and oh uh, yeah uh, they're all sexy lady voices so yeah. people don't want to interact. I mean even if you're exploiting something or using it for a service, people s- apparently still want it to. They don't want to have that uncanny interaction with robots they want to talk to a sexy lady voice Mm. so maybe truly it is you know oh you want to buy a slave what about a sexy slave (laughs) you know maybe it's just marketing like oh god that's gross now i'm thinking yeah i mean i guess since they did have the pleasure models and those can't just be lumps of tin so yeah the God. Everything is based on sexism. <laughs> I mean, it's you're not too far off. It just, it's. I mean, truly though, it is the intersection of, of capitalism and and so much oppression. Mm-hmm. That's a whole so other that- thesis. <laughs> So the movie's been released a number of times. There was the original theatrical release, which I think didn't have the unicorn scene, and it also had a narration by Harrison Ford. And then they came out with a director's cut, and then the version which we watched, which was the final cut. And it sort of raises a question that I've been thinking about, mostly about games, actually, but it sort of comes up here, is that how much should a piece of art be changed after it's been released like is there like part of me is like okay you've put this thing out let everyone experience it the same way and then if you change it like you have to sort of re-experience it and recontextualize it but like do you think that there's people should sort of like limit themselves be like okay like it's done it's 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 30 years old now leave it alone or do you think that it's good that we can get like a more true artistic vision of it? So for me, I think it really depends on the original release and the reasons why things were cut from the original release, which is usually what happens. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to go to the movies and sit for five hours, which is mm-hmm. fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so if if an artist or a director or whatever had to cut things because it's not marketable and they couldn't afford to make the movie without a studio buying it and making it marketable, uh, then I have no problem with further releases down the road. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are there must be some people who would just re-release different versions of things purely for monetary gain, and I think that's rude. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a difference between... Uh... Like, for example, the Star original Star Wars re-releases, which were kind of panned for the most part, the changes that were made Mm -hmm. versus this, which was uh, felt like it was the director putting in things that 
you know, he hadn't himself decided to take out in the original version. But I wonder what was the difference between like the director's cut and the final cut? Like what what the reasoning was for that third version to come out. I should have read about it. I didn't I didn't <laughs> uh I didn't do any reading on that. Um but yeah, I I would be curious too for sure. There's on the wiki the there's uh like a domestic US cut, like the first one, and then there's an international cut that has more violence. Uh and then there's a director's cut that was advertised as a director's cut in 1990 that was screened on a 70 millimeter copy of the work print version of the film. Uh, and then after that, that wasn't like that wasn't authorized by Ridley Scott, so he was like, "That's uh, not the real oh. director's direct, director's uh, okay. cut." So then there was another director's cut, like the official director's cut, and then there's the final cut. Uh, Jeez. That was done in like 2001. Uh, but I'm trying hmm. to see like uh, what exactly they added, but it doesn't really like this, doesn't really go over it very well. The international cut has like, uh, yeah, like it sounds like more blood. <laughs> <laughs> and like extra violence which you know it was already violent enough i thought yeah um yeah da, da, da. i don't see oh, oh the original sequence of deckard's unicorn dream wasn't found in a print of sufficient quality so they show it oh no wait nope i don't know oh. <laughs> It's confusing. There's so many. There, so yeah, there are a lot, and I think uh, you make a good point that for some people, like for me, right? I don't. I had to ask my expert. You know, what what's a what's the best cut to watch? And the only, I mean, I trust filmmakers to tell me which version of a movie to watch. And mm. am I going to go out and seek out the other versions? No. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's it is probably frustrating for some people who don't know which which one to watch or what is good and not good. Uh, but on the flip side, like I want people to make be happy with their art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I guess it's different when it comes to movies versus games because there's been so many times where a game's released and it's something I'm really excited about. So I go out and I play it, and it could take. 40 hours to play a game and then a few months later they're like oh now we've released the special edition and we've like fixed a bunch of things and changed things or even like mass effect 3 they made a whole new ending for the game or Hmm. uh i think final fantasy 15 they actually changed some of the story cut cut story content and ending for it so I mean, with a movie, it's like, oh, there's a new version. I'll spend two hours of my life and watch it if I'm interested. Whereas with a game, it's like, I just played this. I'm not playing it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be really annoying. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like almost like I feel like I'm being punished for being an early adopter, kind of. Like, because mm. then just like the better version comes out. So. Yeah, but I think, yeah, in this case, if it was just a matter of, uh, 
Ridley Scott not being able to use what he wanted in the first few versions. And I can understand putting out a re- a, a final cut, you know, 20 years later. So what do you hope to see in Blade Runner 2049? Hmm. Well, I hope Ryan is not just doing a Harrison Ford impression because that would be really boring. Mm-hmm. I hope he makes the, makes the character his own. I'm curious about those giant ladies. <laughs> <laughs> giant hologram ladies. Yeah. And giant lady play, statues. Play ladies, yeah. And... yeah. Yeah, super, super curious. I, I'd love to see some more world building. Um, just like I said, like I am very fascinated by uh, when dystopic movies don't explain how they got to where they're at. I'm super curious to know what they're hiding uh so mm-hmm. yeah maybe a little bit of world building would be cool not too much jared leto would be great uh, yeah <laughs> just a little bit of jared leto not not too much although he didn't seem little he wasn't too annoying in the short uh i just don't like his voice he wakes me out i don't know what uh what i'm hoping to see like uh yeah i don't know like i feel like uh it's gonna be like a lot like westworld (laughs) Hmm. um but like modern westworld because westworld is like cowboys and old steam trains and stuff like that whereas this is not (laughs) Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll change it at all because, I mean, Blade Runner was a fairly small, limited story. It's like there's four replicants out trying to expand their lifespan yeah. and they're being chased. But it's it wasn't like, oh, these replicants are a huge threat to, you know, right. actual humans because uh, they're mostly located out in space. So I'm wondering if it's going to be like... Uh, I mean, if these Model 6s were such a problem, why wouldn't you just stop making them? So I don't know if it's going to have gone to a place where there are more replicants and replicants have some kind of rights or if it's going to go the other direction. Well, didn't it seem like he was making newer versions? Like there was the Nexus 8 and like in the the previews they show them like Mm -hmm. walking by like glass cases of the models like various Mm -hmm. models so either he's like making new ones that like but i don't know (laughs) i don't know i don't know what's going on (laughs) i hope um i'd be curious to know if they retain the aesthetic it looked a little more fury road uh to Uh, me uh than uh than blade runner uh, at least in parts of it, so we'll have to see what they decide with uh, with the aesthetic. Yeah, it didn't yeah. look like they were in the city, like the same city. It didn't look like they were still in L.A., although I think they were supposed to be. Yeah, I saw the shape of that, the Tyrell building was still there. Yeah, um, and like the giant LAPD building. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe by, now, maybe by 2049, Los Angeles is is the desert we all know it's gonna be yeah or it's or it's cleaner (laughs) yep 
shall see. Right. Uh, so the last question is from the Doc Web, and he asks, "Did you play the '97 Blade Runner video game?" Nope. No. No. Sadly, I I would love to play that game. It looks fantastic. It's by a developer I really like, but it's one of those games where they no longer have the original asset, so there's not even <gasps> a chance of it oh. coming out. My art, my like... librarian archivist heart. That is <laughs> yeah. awful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That sucks. So, like, it would have to be actually finding a disc copy and an old computer <laughs> to wow. play it on. So I probably won't ever play it. Although I should probably look for a, um, probably like a Let's Play. I'm yeah. sure someone's got one somewhere. Um, he asks, do you like video game adaptations that tell a side story rather than retelling the plot of the movie? I don't know. Well, well- I do. I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, what are some examples of games like yeah, that? Yeah, I don't... I'm trying to think of a game that sort of follows the movie. Um, yeah, I'm trying to... I, I think the only thing I ever played was, like, Aladdin. Do you remember that? For NES? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that didn't Super really... Nintendo, it yeah. didn't have a story, so I can't really say. <laughs> does uh, yeah. does the, the Shadow of Mordor one do anything with, like, the movie stuff? No, it's mostly orcs, so it's basically a side story. I mean, I think that's the way to do it. I mean, especially if it's something like a narrative story. Uh, So I can't think of too many with... Uh, with movies but like take the telltale games for example like game of thrones walking dead it sort of it tells a side story in the world as opposed to using the actual main characters which i think it you kind of have to do otherwise i mean just playing the story of a movie would Mm be weird because you would know what was going to happen (laughs) although on the flip side i know it's a common complaint i think i've seen this Maybe with some Star Wars games where people are like, I just want to play Luke. I don't want to, I don't care about anybody else. Just let me play the main dude and that's it. Like, so I don't, I think it, it depends on the person, but. Mm -hmm. Or there's a difference between like your desire to play a game based on a movie, not necessarily play the main storyline of the movie, but definitely you want to play as the main character character. of the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. All right. So, does anyone have any final thoughts on Blade Runner? You want to share anything we missed talking about? I mean, I'm sure we missed talking about a lot of stuff because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. Um, the, the only thing I was going to say was I I don't know if this is a personal failing or not, but I think I I like my sci-fi metaphors or sci-fi morals in movies more heavy-handed, like. <laughs> I like a bigger, I like it, sh- you know, really shoved in my face about what we're supposed to be learning. Uh, but that might, ju- I mean, I think that's just, a, maybe that's just a personal preference. Um, but I've always considered sci-fi to be a really good um, ethics teacher. Uh, because mm-hmm. a lot a lot of those stories are really, truly, you know, they're very good sandboxes to figure out how you really feel about something. Uh, so this while it was absolutely gorgeous and I've never honestly never seen a movie that looked like that. Um, I, I wish the story had been a little more pushy with me. That's all. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it asked what questions, but it didn't, it didn't have an answer for them itself. Good. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Hmm. But I loved it. And I'm so glad that we watched it. While we were 
watching it, um, I made the comment that uh, it's interesting that so many like sci-fi movies uh, bring like uh, an East Asian look to a lot of the places that people end up in. Like LA <laughs> didn't look like LA. Uh, like it looked like a crowded like night market in Japan. Um, mm -hmm. which, you know, it, like, at the time, I guess, when it was made, like, did, was Japan that much more technologically advanced that we would see their society as something that we want? Like, that we, like, want to see over here? Uh, I think on the flip side, I, like, in addition to that point that you're making is, um, I think it was supposed to be sort of a little bit about the areas of Los Angeles that are like Chinatown and Japantown, I think are both, they are neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, but the point I think, and, and this is a, a racist point that a lot of white filmmakers rely on is, oh, you want to set up a shady or seedy area? Oh, put uh, it in Chinatown, put it in, you know, <laughs> little Japan, like, I see, which yeah, I think yeah. is really, uh, you know, come on, we can, people can do better. But it's, we can be shady all on our own. That's right. Thanks. We can. <laughs> uh, and it's, um, but the point that you're making, I think, is, is totally right. That uh, in addition to this, it's an easy way for, you know, people to assume that the people are in the neighborhood are shady or doing bad things. Or that's where you go to find black market eyeballs or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> um, that it is that uh, at the time, for sure, that Japan uh, was was looked at as as way more advanced uh and still is in a lot of ways i think whether mm -hmm. whether or not that's a true stereotype or true fact i don't i don't know yeah i think i mean i think part of it is sort of borrowing the technology and part of it is just uh you know future looks at future tend to make things more of a a melting pot of just sort of all cultures coming together, even though I totally agree with you about the sort of racist way that people make something different or make something look shady. So I really liked the uh, replicants, particularly Pris and Roy. Uh, I loved their characters. Uh, who was it? Daryl Hannah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, I thought she did a fantastic job and seeing her pretending to be one of those dolls was oh. immensely creepy. Yeah, and when, whenever her and Rutger Hauer were on screen, either of them, there was just this real like tension. Like I know Sarah, you said a couple times like, Oh, they're going to kill those people. Oh, they're going to kill that dove. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it was just always like, what are they going to do? They seemed so, um, unpredictable yeah yeah mm. totally yeah yeah they had good chemistry speaking of chemistry mm -hmm. yeah yes. they had very good chemistry yeah it was they, they were really good who's the uh it's funny because i had i had breakfast with my dad this morning and i said oh i know that you love sci-fi so i should tell you that i watched blade runner and he was like oh roy that the actor who played roy is like was you know at the time an unknown dutch actor or something that he's like I, he loved him so much so it was it was funny to think about Seeing that movie in 1982, the year I was born, <laughs> I can't even fathom it. <laughs> All right. I guess that brings our discussion of Blade Runner to an end. Um, Sarah, do you want to tell people where they can contact you on the internet? Sure. Uh, I'm uh, on Twitter at 
uh, at S-E-R-R-I-N-N-E-W-O-W. And you can get in touch with me there. All right. And Riley? You can find me on Twitter at Kaleri with an underscore. It's K-A-L-E-R-I with an underscore. And also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Kaleri. Same spelling, no underscore. You still doing your Korean three times a week? Nah. No. <laughs> that means yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, okay. Man. We got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> we had to learn. Oh. <laughs> um, and you can reach me on Twitter at Josila underscore or on YouTube. My channel is called Cannot Be Tamed. Uh, thanks, Sarah, for yeah. coming to talk to thanks us. Thanks for having me. Runner. And sorry about the, um, the noise. If there's extraneous noise, the air show's happening. So it's really <laughs> loud. Um, but thank you. I, I, I love uh, chatting with you guys about media. So, And I love your podcast. And I'm not just saying that because we're best friends. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. I always like having you on. And I like our, our movie nights yeah. and subsequent recordings. That's a good way to do things, I think. I agree. Hopefully we'll have more in the future when I come back to visit. <laughs> yes. Excellent. All right. So if, if you've got any feedback or questions for us, you can reach out at MediaMavensCast at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at underscore MediaMavens. There is also a forum for discussion of any of our episodes on the Cartridge Club forums at cartridgeclub.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.